Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Week 10 saw a lot of great action, some strange plays, some strange calls from referees, a little bit of everything in Week 10. Let's start off with what could be, you know, the old cliche, a Super Bowl preview with the Houston Texans visiting the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football. Houston pulled out a very close victory, 13-6 in rainy Chicago. The highlights from this game have to be that Texas, Houston, the Texans, that is, went in uh, to Chicago, played Chicago's game, you know, a real tight defensive battle, uh, a field position game, played in the rain outside, and left with a victory. Arian Foster has, is a star of this game for Houston. 29 rushes, 102 yards. Who said you can't run the ball 29 times with one guy anymore in the NFL? Houston only had a total of 215 yards. There were a lot of turnovers in this game. I mentioned that there was a it was raining. Um, Jay Cutler threw two interceptions. So did Matt Schaub. There were several fumbles from both sides as, as well. Well, actually, only two fumbles from Chicago. So Chicago turned the ball over four times. Houston twice. It was a pretty sloppy game, I guess you could say, from the offensive side. But defenses were really shining out and trying to make a play. Offenses really were just playing not to lose the game, um, especially when Jay Cutler, if you missed the game, Jay Cutler left uh, in the second, late in the second quarter with a concussion. And Jason Campbell, the backup for the Chicago Bears, had to come in and finish this game off. From the winning side, uh, like I said, I think this is a huge win for Houston. They're now 8-1. and All of a sudden, you thought they were going to run away with the AFC South, but all of a sudden... Indianapolis is in the hunt. They're 6-3, and three, and they have to keep that lead uh, over the Colts. It's only two games, um, and they, they still have to play each other twice. So it actually will be an interesting race out there in the AFC South. And as of right now, the Super Bowl would go through Houston in the AFC playoffs. As for Chicago, I, I think... Um, you, you kind of have to question now, how effective is this offense going to be without Jay Cutler? He, he left with a concussion. Concussions uh, are one of our themes to today's show. Unfortunately, quarterbacks concussed around the league. How effective do you think uh, Chicago will be without him? And Because we really don't know how long Cutler will be out. Uh, concussions is a funny thing. He has to get cleared by a, a doctor. And he could be out for an extensive period of time. And we saw what Chicago was like without their quarterback last year. Obviously, I think this Bears team is a much better overall team than last year's team. They still have Matt Forte, which they also lost Matt Forte around the same time last year in November. But you really saw Jason Campbell came in. He was okay. Um, he was 11 of 19 with for 94 yards, but he just didn't throw the ball down the field. And even when they, the Bears were trailing by 4 or by 7, he was going with checkdowns that were leading to virtually no yards and still running the clock out. If you're going to throw a two-yard pass with two minutes left, you're down by seven, you might as well just throw it away. Um, but really, we're, 
ineffective in moving the offense was was Jason Campbell. Of course, didn't really get much of a running game going. Um, we talked about the Texans getting Foster going. The Bears did not get Forte going. 16 rushes for Forte, 39 yards. Michael Bush fared a little better, but only carried it three times for 34 yards. He was one of the guys also who lost a fumble. Um, so, And for the Bears, the Bears are the team of these two that have a much tougher schedule uh, to end the season. So everyone's real high up on the Bears. You saw articles like they're the best team in the NFC, not the 49ers, not the Falcons. I wouldn't argue against that. I really like the Bears too, and their defense is going to keep them in every game. But their defense is going to have to carry them as long as Jay Cutler is out. Really have to even step up another level to win these games against the top teams in the NFL. They go against San Francisco next week. They have Green Bay again. They have several more games in the division. Even Detroit, who is below 500 right now, will be a tough game. Minnesota is vying for a playoff spot. So it'll be interesting to see what the Bears do without Jay Cutler if he indeed is out for a long time. Moving to the four o'clock, the four o'clock game that really stuck out to me, Dallas going into Philadelphia was kind of <laughs> um, don't really know how to 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 name it, but but both these teams are three and five, um, kind of the disappointment bowl, I guess you could say, um, and really to be honest, the loser of this game is probably not going to be um, fighting for a playoff spot anymore, probably knocked out for this season and that is Philadelphia Philadelphia lost this game to Dallas 38 to 23 at one point Philadelphia led 17 to 10 late in the third quarter actually on the last play of the third quarter Dallas tied the game to make it 17-17 and that was really where the game was lost for Philadelphia at the end of the third quarter then the first 3 minutes of the fourth quarter they gave up Three touchdowns in a span of two and a half minutes. Um, one was a touchdown pass from Tony Romo. Actually, I think the turning point of the game on a third down play late in the third quarter, Tony Romo looked like he was going to be sacked twice, somehow got away, completed a pass downfield for a first down, and then that led to a 30-yard strike to Des Bryant for a touchdown, tied the game. You know, you didn't think it was going to be that you know big of a deal. You didn't think it would be a turning point in the game, but uh, the momentum had clearly swung. Uh, Philadelphia got shut out on a three and out on the next drive. Um, we're actually lucky that um, the interception that Nick Folds threw, uh, Nick Folds was in the game. We'll get to that later. The interception he threw was called back because of a penalty on the other side of the field, a holding on Maurice Claiborne. Um, so the Eagles were lucky to avoid that one, but they punted away, and Dwayne Harrison returned the punt for 78-yard touchdown. So Dallas takes the lead 24-17. And then on the next drive, an interception by Brandon Carrs returned 47 yards for another Dallas touchdown. So as I mentioned, uh, Michael Vick was knocked out of this game. Nick Folds was playing because of that. Uh, another concussed quarterback. Don't know how long Vick is going to be out. To be honest, I don't know if they're going to bring Vick back anyway this year. Eagles are 3-6, and six, lost five games in a row. Their first five-game losing streak under Andy Reid. Quite uh, an amazing stat right there. Andy Reid has been there since 1999. Um, 
Just too many Philly mistakes. It's the same old story in this game. They out outgained the Cowboys. They had more first downs. They had a greater time of possession. But the two turnovers were really um, their turnover again late in the fourth quarter led to uh, another Dallas touchdown, a fumble recovered on the one-yard line. So two, uh, an interception and a fumble return for a touchdown uh, for the Cowboys and the punt. That's the difference in this game, uh, 15 points. Uh, the Eagles also missed an extra point, which was actually thought maybe that would affect the game, but it ended up not. Um, and Dallas, making big plays. Like I said, Romo sh- uh, scrambling and picking up that first down to extend a drive in the third quarter, then threw a 30-yard strike. And big plays on defense and special teams, the punt return and the interception and fumbles leading to points. You have to wonder now, not only is Michael Vick's job on the line for the Eagles, Andy Reid. You know, we've talked about this on the show before. Do you think Andy Reid will come back and be the coach again next year? The Eagles have a lot of talent for some whatever reason. I keep waiting for them to put it together this season and make a run at it. But for whatever reason, they're unable to do it. Um, now 3-6, and six, it looks like that they'll be playing for next year. And quite honestly, I think they should put in Nick Foles, see what he can do. He's probably the long-term solution in Philly. And, you, and if he plays well, you might let Michael Vick go uh, in the offseason. As for Dallas, they stay alive. Uh, the Giants lost today. We're going to get to them in just a minute. And Dallas, even at 4-5, and five, even in a pretty tough NFC, they're just a game and a half behind the the New York Giants for the NFC East. And going to that New York Giant game, they were visiting Cincinnati. Uh, the Bengals pulled up somewhat of an upset here. Um, and it was a big upset. Uh, not even a not close from the beginning. The Bengals won 31 to 13. Uh, Manning now has struggled in three straight games, has not thrown a touchdown in that span. His longest span uh, of not throwing a touchdown in his career, nearly 100 passes thrown now without a touchdown for Eli. And we talked about last week on the show how it's so tough to beat the Giants because they are mistake-free. Not this week. Uh, Four turnovers for the Giants, two interceptions, two fumbles. Eli Manning, uh, pretty bad day. Uh, had to throw the ball 46 times, was 29 for 46. Not a bad percentage. 215 yards, but the two interceptions, no no touchdowns. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw fumbled um, in the red zone. Could have led to a score, obviously. And the Bengals took advantage of their short fields. Uh, Andy Dalton set a record, personal record, for uh, four touchdown passes in this game for him. Only 199 yards, but like I said, the short fields... Um, he didn't need to throw uh, that much today. And um, the Bengals, you have to say, are still alive there in the AFC North. Four and five, just like the Cowboys over in the NFC. And to, uh, to be honest, in the last couple of weeks, the AFC, the top teams in the AFC have really been stepping up. Um, as long as Pittsburgh wins tonight, you have the top six teams in the AFC are all six and three and better. So Cincinnati's, you know, a couple games behind that, but they have a relatively easy schedule coming up, and then they have several games against Baltimore and Pittsburgh still to come. So they can definitely 
still make noise in the AFC North, and, and, and they're alive for a playoff spot. They're going to have to earn it, though. They're going to have to beat Baltimore. They're going to have to beat Pittsburgh. That's something I don't think they're going to be able to do, but that's what they have a chance. They have a shot. If they do that, they can sneak or get into the playoffs in the AFC. As for the Giants, it's now the third, really the third game in a row they haven't played well, at least offensively. Three, two weeks ago, they played Dallas, jumped out to that big lead at the beginning, then really didn't do anything in the second half. Last week, without a, several calls going their way in the first half, I don't think that's a game against Pittsburgh. So, really, they could have, they've really been crushed statistically by two AFC opponents now, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, and I thought the NFC was supposed to be better than the AFC this year. So, I don't know. Uh, now, all of a sudden... It looks like it's going to be a race out there in the NFC East again. The Giants always seem to falter a little bit in November. Obviously, they're a great finishing team. They know how to play well in December and then into January. But Dallas is going to be right on their heels, I think, for most of the rest of the season. Uh, And those two teams have already played each other twice, so there's no more uh, division games between Dallas and New York. But it should be an interesting race out there in the NFC East. Uh, with the Giants not really sure how good they are. They're they're going into a bye. Now they're going to play Green Bay. They haven't been playing as well. That'll be an interesting matchup. And Dallas staying alive there with the win in Philadelphia. We're going to go take a quick break, and then we'll come back with some more action from Week 10. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. If you'd like to leave a comment or say something about our show, you can email me, dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter, dmholcomb is my Twitter handle. And you also can get more news from on Facebook. Search Dave's Football News. Unfortunately, uh, we, we wanted to bring on a, a guest this week. Uh, Dakota Crawford was hoping to come on uh, this week. Unfortunately, he was unable to uh, make it this week. Uh, hopefully, uh, we can get him on the show in the future. We wanted to bring him on and talk about the AFC South. We already mentioned the Texans winning, going to 8-1, and one, but we said the Colts were right on their heels at 6-3. and three. The Indianapolis Colts played the Jaguars in Jacksonville on Thursday. Um, and Andrew Luck re- looked really good, uh, and we wanted to talk to Crawford about uh, Bruce Arians, the offensive coordinator there, and the head coach Chuck Pagano, their effect on the young quarterback, and it, whether or not playoffs are within reach for Indianapolis. Right now, they're slotted in as the five seed, actually ahead of the Steelers right now, who would be the six seed. They play Monday night. Um, they, the Steelers are five and three as of this morning. On the Jaguar side, Justin Blackman, the wide receiver, who picked number five, they traded up for this past draft. Blaine Gabbert, the quarterback, who's supposed to be the franchise guy, hasn't looked exactly that. And even Mike Malarkey, in his first year of head coach, hasn't really righted anything. 
kind of start to wonder. This is Malarkey's second stint as a head coach. Looks like he's much better as an offensive coordinator. I don't know. He hasn't been able to make improvements in Jacksonville and didn't do that much really in Buffalo. He's a good guy, but kind of questioning now whether he's right for the job or whether Gabbert's the right quarterback. That's an interesting discussion in Jacksonville, and that's a team that actually they're thinking about moving to uh, different locations. I know London's been thrown around. L.A. is looking for a team. Jacksonville is just really is just a mess right now. But the Colts, very quickly, they were a mess last year, and, and they have righted the ship with you know the, the interim head coach, really. Bruce Arians has done an excellent job, and Chuck Pagano should be coming back. They're hoping later this season to, to coach uh, a game. Uh, he, again, was diagnosed with leukemia. He's uh, having getting treatment in the hospital in Indianapolis. So that's the lowdown from Thursday night's game. We're hoping that in the future that... Um, and maybe in a week or two, Dakota Crawford will join us on our show. The rest of the news from around the league will give you some highlights from other games. Adrian Peterson, a huge game for the Minnesota Vikings. He leads them to victory. He's already over 1,000 yards for the season. Incredible feat coming off the ACL injury. We talked about him last week being one of the biggest surprises Vikings have to be a huge surprise, too. They're 6-4. and four. They're in the hunt in the tough NFC. I think right now they're, they have a wild-card spot. That's pretty incredible considering where they come from last year. Head coach Leslie Frazier is doing a great job. They beat Detroit 34-24. Detroit has been a little bit of a disappointment this year. They were a playoff team last year. Lions aren't out of it, though. They're 4-5, and five, and if we're counting Dallas in at 4-5, and five, even though Detroit is in a tougher division at least record wise with minnesota green bay and chicago detroit's still alive uh in the nfc north possibly for the division could still get the wild card so i wouldn't count the lions out just yet one of the biggest stories of the day the new orleans saints knocked off undefeated atlanta atlanta falling to eight and one the saints alive also at four and five so a bunch of four and five teams around the league that you're kind of intrigued by. The Saints, one of them. And the biggest uh, story from this game, Atlanta was on the one-yard line, first and goal, down by four, needed a touchdown to take the lead with about two minutes left, were unable to do so. New Orleans stops them on fourth and goal at the one and holds on to a 31-27 victory. Again, Saints still alive at 4-5. and five. Atlanta no longer undefeated. No team in the NFL will be undefeated this year. In Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers defeated the San Diego Chargers 34-24. San Diego had a lead in this game. They blew it. Uh, Phillip Rivers threw another pick six, the quarterback for the Chargers. North Turner really lost his cool after this game. He was... Uh, flipping out at reporters who are asking him questions. Frustration definitely starting to set in the San Diego. It's San Diego's been frustrating me for years. I just can't believe that they've had that kind of talent. And Phillip Rivers is should be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, probably a top five quarterback. And continually he makes mistakes, throwing interceptions, and they seem to always lead to scores. Uh, Tampa Bay all of a sudden alive and well in the NFC South. 
I know Atlanta, you know, is running away with that division. They're eight and one, but Tampa Bay five and four. They're alive out there and and seeking a wild card spot. And San Diego, well, we'll see where they go from here, but they're going to start to fade. I think they're four and five. There's a bunch of teams at four and five, as we said. Uh, since in the AFC, Cincinnati is another team that's four and five in, in contention. But we'll see what we get from San Diego the rest of the year. Uh, I think it's going to be tough sledding, and maybe we'll finally see North Turner get fired. Maybe. I don't know. In Carolina, John Fox, the head coach of Denver, got his revenge against his old team, the Panthers, defeating them 36-24. The big story from Denver, again, their defense and special teams. Punt return for a touchdown, interception return for a touchdown on Cam Newton, and they also sacked him for a safety. They uh, routed the Panthers. Peyton Manning had a great game, 27 for 38, 301 yards and a touchdown. But we've mentioned on this show before, the difference between this Bronco team and all those Colts teams, this Bronco team really knows how to play defense. And this is going to make the Broncos scary in the AFC. Carolina, on the other hand, has fallen to 2-7. and seven. Cam Newton's really struggling, and you'll see. We'll see if Ron Rivera returns for a third year. He, he righted the ship his first year, make, uh, leading the Panthers to a six and ten record. But they seem to have taken a step backwards this year. Out west, the St. Louis Rams and the San Francisco 49ers tied. This is the first tie in the NFL since 2008. I hate ties. I just hate. I hate ties. But that's the rule in the NFL. You play uh, one uh, one period, uh, one quarter of overtime, and if no one scores, it's a tie. And the, both teams had their chances. Uh, St. Louis missed. A, St. Louis on the first play of overtime threw a, a b- ball for 80 yards, but it was called back on an illegal procedure penalty, um, uh, an illegal formation. Unable to move the ball. 49ers got the ball, put it into field goal range. David Akers shanked it. Uh, Very unusual for him. Rams kicked a long field goal, made it, but got a delay of game. So instead of a 54-yard make, it turned into a 59-yard kick that that the Rams kicker put wide right. And then no one was able to score after that, so we ended in a 24 24 tie. San Francisco still leading the West. They're now 6-2 and 1. I just the rest of the year now we have to say M1. It's just that's so annoying. Whatever. Still saw a little bit of history though. First tie since 2008 when Donovan McNabb didn't even know uh ties still existed in the NFL. The, uh, back then the Eagles tied the Bengals. Staying out west in Seattle, the Seahawks beat up on the New York Jets. Seattle moves to six and four. They're uh, in contention for that wild card as well, uh, tied with Minnesota uh, for five and the five and six seeds. They're both going into their bye now. As for the Jets, Mark Sanchez again he throws for less than fifty percent uh, completion percentage. Doesn't throw a touchdown. Has a pick. Uh, I believe he had a fumble as well. The Jets fall to three and six. Tim Tebow's on the bench. They don't really use him that much. I don't want to stir up another controversy. To be honest, I don't think it matters who's uh, leading uh, leading that team or who's under center. Uh, the, the Jets are just a bad team. They, they have a decent defense, 
but they have no playmakers on offense. San Antonio Holmes is out. You, you lose Jarrell Rivas for the season. That's really hard. That's on defense, though. Um, Sean Green is a decent running back, but he's not he's not anything outstanding. You know, he a lot of people thought he was great, but he was running with LT a few years ago. He was a great changeup, more of a power back than LT was. But overall, he's he I just don't see him being an every down back, real good running back. Um, the Jets, they're circus. They're they're they are really struggling. Uh, that's an understatement. And in my opinion, I think they should clean house. I think the GM. Tanya, um, however you say his name, the, the GM, I think they should let him go. Rex Ryan should go. Mark Sanchez should go. Probably Tony Sperano, too. Just completely clean house. Decide if you want Tim Tebow to be your quarterback or not. And if not, draft somebody new. But that's just me. I'm not saying the Jets are going to do that. That is my own opinion. The Tennessee Titans killed the Miami Dolphins 37-3. to Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions, really looked like a rookie quarterback. All of a sudden now Miami was four and four. Actually at one point they were four and three. Um and looked like they could make a run at uh the sixth seed. Like I said though, a bunch of those top teams in the AFC keep winning. Miami's lost their last two games, they're below five hundred at four and five. They joined the, the Bengals and the Chargers at that that mark. Tennessee is a team that really hasn't looked very good um most of the season. Uh particularly against Chicago last week they got killed but they don't have a bad record at 4 and 6 they're actually somewhat alive in the AFC can't really lose any more games though i think at the very most they could lose one more game and still get into the playoffs obviously a lot has to happen for that to occur though and the last two games uh Baltimore and New England defeated Oakland and Buffalo respectively Baltimore blew out Oakland 55-20. to The Ravens set a record for a franchise record for points scored. New England and Buffalo was a close one, but the Patriots held on for a 37-31 win. Both those teams uh, getting a good win, a big win for their to increase their division lead. Uh, New England's increasing their lead. Uh, Baltimore um, did not increase their lead over Cincinnati, and uh, again, Pittsburgh plays Monday night. Um, but interestingly, all the top seeds in the AFC, Houston, Baltimore, New England, Denver, and the wild card Indianapolis, Pittsburgh yet to play, all of those five teams won. The, those guys are in the playoffs. And in the NFC, Atlanta, Chicago, San Francisco, the Giants all lost. All division leaders, all four of those guys are division leaders. I guess San Francisco didn't lose, sorry. They tied. But uh, towards a win percentage, um, a tie counts as a loss, so it might as well go down as a loss. Um, so uh, so guys like Minnesota got uh, a big win um, in, in the NFC. Uh, Seattle, big win um, to, to go to 6-4. and four. And Green Bay, who's on their bye, um, watched all those teams lose and had to be pretty happy uh, with that. So that's what happened on Sunday. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with the fourth and long segment.
welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. And we're going to go into a story from Green Bay, written by Ryan Derenbecker from uh, footballnation.com. It's our first topic on the fourth and long segment. This article entitled, Green Bay Packers, Top 5 Reasons They'll Miss the Playoffs. I'm going to punt this one away. I, I think Green Bay is going to make the playoffs. I've talked about how tough the NFC is this year, and although a bunch of top teams lost or tied on uh, Sunday, uh, the, the NFC is still a pretty tough conference. I think, uh, but but I, I still think Green Bay is going to going to be in the playoffs. They they've got a somewhat of a tough schedule. They um. They uh, have the Giants coming up in two weeks um, after the Giants buy. The, the Packers um, had their buy this past week. They have to play Chicago again in Chicago. They have to play uh, Detroit. Um, they have to play Minnesota, um, which are the, all those teams are vying for playoff spots and are good teams. Um, but I think Green Bay on their ro- their roster is just too good to to not be in the playoffs. I think they will be a wild card though. I I have Chicago holding on to the division depending on what we see from Jay Cutler though if he comes back quickly. Um I see the argument for why they might miss it. They have some injuries on both sides of the ball. Uh Greg Jennings has been out for a while. Um Jordy Nelson has a nagging injury or a couple nagging injuries on defense Clay Matthews and um Charles Woodson are, are out indefinitely. We don't know when they'll be returning. The two top playmakers for the Packers on defense don't have much of a running game established. That's something that Darren Becker goes into in his article. Actually, it's a slideshow. But um, I, I think uh, I, I just think Aaron Rodgers, when he's at his best, he's going to win enough games to get the Packers in. I, I really do. So um, and. Even at a wild card spot, I think the Packers are a dangerous team. Uh, we saw what they did from the wild card spot two years ago. I think if they can get the running game going, if they can get James Starks healthy or Cedric Benson um, going in, the, in his carries, I think the Packers are a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. Our second story is from Wayne Hood. He's actually covering uh, the Thursday Night Lights, is the title of his article. The NFL is falling short. He's talking about Thursday night audiences on NFL Network. Every week this year, there is a game on Thursday. It's broadcasted by that NFL Network. Um, I would be a lot more angry about Thursday night football if I didn't have NFL Network. Luckily, Time Warner here in Syracuse, New York, uh, signed a contract with NFL Network, got it in September. So it was only a couple games I had to go out to restaurants to watch. But um, now I can watch it in my own home on Thursdays or record it, DVR it, and watch it later. Um, but I see I, – I, but I still see why it's falling short. You see the, at least the last couple of weeks, the matchups they've had, at least they've been division matchups. But Kansas City uh, at San Diego, Indianapolis at Jacksonville, and now ne- this coming week, uh, Buffalo and Miami, not exactly blowing up your skirt. Um not exciting matchups here, um, even though they are division division rivalries. I think you really have to be a big NFL fan to get into a division rivalry like the Colts and Jaguars. Um, so, I, and I, you know, as a as a player, I think it's tough to play on a Sunday night and then 
practice two two or three days, and then play Thursday. I think a lot of teams come out flat on Thursday, or um, you see a good team play a bad team, and the and like like the Colts and Jaguars, and the and the good team just kills the bad team. It a lot of the time, I think good and bad teams they they run through the motions. They go through the motions on Thursday night. They're just trying to get out of here with a victory, and then they have like that mini buy they they call it with a week and a half off to the next game. So it's interesting. It, it's it's cool to get another um, game uh, that you can watch. You know, because if you only have so much time on Sunday, you can maximum really can only watch three games on Sunday if you're a big NFL fan. Okay, watch one Monday night game. So it gives you an opportunity really to watch five games a week and see 10 teams out of 32 every week. That's pretty good um, if you're a fan that wants to watch all those games. But um, I, I just think Thursday night with the, the network, the the broadcasters aren't the best. It just I think everybody just kind of goes through the motions and it just doesn't lead to very ex- exciting stuff. Um, I guess my statement, Thursday night football will be uh, abolished after this season. I think they're going to keep it going. Um, so I'll I'll punt that statement away and say that they, they will keep it. I, I would like them to keep it as long as I can keep watching it, as long as my cable provider has it. But I think for everyone who doesn't have it or isn't a really big fan of the NFL, it's it's annoying. Thursday night football it's kind of random, and I would say it's annoying for the casual fan. My last topic on this uh, fourth and long segment: ties in the NFL. We saw we've had now only three ties in the last ten years. Um, actually, almost to date, uh, the Atlanta Falcons and the Pittsburgh Steelers tied uh, in November of two thousand and two. Uh, that was Michael Vick's uh, first season, I believe, as a rookie. He led them, uh, the Falcons back from a 17-point deficit in the fourth quarter. In the game, I think both teams combined for over 900 yards of offense, pretty close to 1,000 yards of offense, uh, but ended up with a 34-34 tie. We saw a 13-13 tie between the Eagles and the Bengals in 2008. Donovan McNabb didn't even know that the NFL still had ties. And then on Sunday, we saw the 49ers and the Rams tie um, at 24-24 after a couple missed field goals, missed opportunities for the Rams with delay of game penalties and illegal formations. Should the NFL ban ties and and, um, play until somebody scores? I'm going to grunt on this one. I I really think it's not like hockey where you could play forever and ever. You could play till the next day in three or four overtimes, and you just kill your legs, and you you can't do a whole season like that. I I kind of understand hockey, even though I just don't like ties. Um, hockey, there's a there's a place for ties. Football, I know it doesn't happen very often, but they just how could you play you, an, another overtime period is like another fourth quarter, so you play almost another hour. It's it's frustrating as a fan to watch a game for four hours and we end in a tie. We have we have no decision on who was better that day. I'm sure it's very frustrating for a player to play four hours, seventy five minutes, and not be able to say, "All right, that team was better than me," or "or we won, we were better today." Got to be really frustrating. Why don't you just play a couple more minutes? Or another overtime period, whatever. I don't think it would. Go, we've only had what two 
double overtime games in in playoff history, and I remember one of them uh, ended very quickly, Carolina and St. Louis, I believe, um, at the beginning of the 2000s. I believe it was 2003, the year Carolina went to the Super Bowl. They they won on the first play of double overtime, so it doesn't usually take very long. Um, I, I, I would think for fans, it doesn't happen often, but I think for fans and players it would be better to just play a double overtime, and if necessary, another overtime, a triple overtime. And that would be exciting. Exciting stuff as opposed to a tie. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and wrap up today's show. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle, your host, Dave Holcomb. I just wanted to send a little shout-out to those veterans uh, from the U.S. Army going all the way back to World War II. Some of them are still with us. My, I have uh, grandfathers and great-grandfathers who fought in World War II and, uh, and World War I. And uh, Sunday, the NFL did their best to did a very good job of honoring them on Veterans Day, 11-11. Uh, so we could, should think about our a little weird that Veterans Day was on a Sunday. I didn't really know, except for the NFL, um, that it was indeed Veterans Day. But we should keep our veterans in mind um, all week and really all the time, um, as we, we still have several soldiers over in Afghanistan and uh, defending our uh, country and our idea of freedom. But that's all I have for this week. Uh, don't forget, you can get a hold of me on my email, dmholcomb06 at gmail.com, my Twitter, dmholcomb, and you can find more news on Facebook. Just search Dave's Football News. Everybody have a great week. See you next time. In the meantime, I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind. You know, it's true.